0: Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the MoDev Podcast. Uh, I'm Pete Erickson. i the founder of MoDev and your host today. Today, we are having the Enterprise, uh, excuse me, Enterprise uh, Acronym Smackdown. Uh, there are a lot of uh, acronyms floating around out there. Sometimes I feel like I'm at the Department of Defense with all the, uh, the acronyms uh, floating around the mobility space, particularly with the Enterprise. So, today, what we thought we'd do is we bring together a number of uh, pundits and experts and and uh, industry experts on uh, the enterprise uh, subject and talk about the acronyms that are floating around out there. Um, on the podcast today, we've got Philippe Winthrop, Galen Grumman, Brian Katz, Benjamin Robbins, and Chris Schroeder. And I'm going to turn it over to uh, Philippe to introduce himself real quickly, and then we'll go to Galen. Philippe?
1: Sure, be happy to. Um Good afternoon, good, uh, good day, everybody. Uh, I am Philippe Winthrop, and I'm the Managing Director and Founder of the Enterprise Mobility Foundation, which is the independent think tank uh, behind the Enterprise Mobility Forum, which is the largest social network exclusively dedicated to enterprise mobility. Pleasure to be here.
0: Galen.
2: And good day, everybody. This is Galen Grimman. I'm the Executive Editor for Features and News at InfoWorld.com. I also uh, write the weekly mobile edge blog on mobile uh, technology and the weekly smart user blog on consumerization issues.
0: Excellent. Brian. Brian Katz.
3: Sorry, I'm mute there, guys. Hello, everybody. I'm Brian Katz. I am head of mobility engineering at a large pharmaceutical company, and I write a blog called The Screws Loose.
4: And you can find me on Twitter at bmcats.
0: Excellent, Benjamin.
4: Hi, my name is uh, Benjamin Robbins. I'm principal uh, at Palador. Uh, we specialize in uh, mobile strategy and app development. Um, I also blog regularly. Uh, my blog is remotelymobileblog.com, and I'm also on
0: Twitter at Palador Benjamin. Excellent. And uh, last but certainly not least, Mr. Chris Schroeder.
5: Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, this is uh, Chris Schroeder. I'm CEO, co-founder, and chief bottle washer at uh, F47. Uh, you can find us at F47.com uh, or on Twitter at, at uh, just F47. Uh, and thanks for uh, uh, asking us to join us today, Pete.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks for joining. Well, uh, here's a short list. B-Y-O-D-C-O-I-T-C-O-P-E-M-A-M-M-D-M-M-R-M-M-I-M-M-E-M. What's next on the list, Philippe? MRM,
1: Mobile Risk Management, Um, it's the ultimate uh, goal, in my opinion, of this uh, awful alphabet soup, and and I'll admit that I'm partially to blame for many of those acronyms, uh, mostly to blame for many of those acronyms. Uh, But when we're talking about all this stuff, it's ultimately about mitigating risk in this new mobile ecosystem, and so ultimately you're going to see more and more people talking about MRM moving forward.
0: Right, so you talk about mitigating risks. so, um, Mm -hmm. uh, and guys, please weigh in. Uh, What do you think the the number one risks or what are the top risks uh, IT departments face right now with regards to, you know, the arrival of uh, smart devices?
2: This is Galen, I'll jump in. I frankly think the number one risk that IT faces in mobile is treating it as a risk. There's so much effort right now from the uh, what I'll call the uh, security industrial complex to cordon off and entwine and, and otherwise straitjacket uh, this notion of end-user technology. And it's not just mobile. Mobile is, is one of many venues people use. And the reaction is, oh, my God, this is going to kill us. Let's stop it. And we make nice acronyms for it, MEEP and MEM and MAM and MERM and everything else. But the point of view comes from this is bad. Let's, let's prevent it. Certainly, like any technology, it can be used for good or bad. But if the focus is on stopping it or containing it, you lose the reason to do it in the first place. And I think that's why we have this consumerization trend going on where users say, you know what, we're tired of this, get out of our way. And if if IT keeps treating it as something to manage, to contain, constrain, we'll only get more of that. So I think the biggest risk is, is viewing it through the risk filter as the primary filter.
3: Uh, this is Brian, and I have to agree with Galen wholeheartedly. It's, you know it 's part of when you look at everything that 's going on, and you know Ben and I have been going back and forth for the last week about mobile strategy and mobile ecosystems, and I talk all the time with um, Galen and uh, Philippe. But you know we talk about risk, and we talk about all these other things, and in truth, if you're business, you 're just trying to get your work done. And people spend so much time looking at this other stuff that they forget that the whole point is to make people productive. And if there's a technology out there that will make people more productive, you've got to figure out a way to mitigate that risk but really get out there and get in front of it and be leading the effort, not trying to stymie it. And what you see from your end users, your employees, even the consumers is, I actually know a little bit more about this than I did 10 years ago. I have a smartphone. I have a tablet. I have an ultrabook. Let me use technology and apps that make me capable to get stuff done as opposed to, and you'll hear me say, craft locations that make it too hard to get stuff done and be productive.
2: Yes, yeah, so Brian, but
3: as you know, you
1: know there, there are two major issues here. Uh, around what you're saying, and, I, and I, there's no way I can disagree with anything you've just said. the The fact of the matter is that the the legacy IT mindset is all about can't do, um, preventing uh, you know rogue access, rogue devices, uh, really need, feeling as if they need to lock everything down to have command and control. Uh, and obviously, that doesn't work anymore because with the consumerization of IT, or as um, I 've never been able to actually find who originally coined this term, but the IT is of consumer meaning that we as individuals are getting increasingly tech savvy uh, oftentimes we're going to have uh, more computing power at home or faster internet speeds at home than we would have in those expectations of being able to have that kind of power, that kind of speed, that kind of accessibility. Uh, both at home and in the workplace, is really what's going to have to change things and change that legacy mindset of can't-do to can-do.
3: And so, this is,
1: this is Benjamin, so a question for you. So do you think that that, that, that
4: can't-do uh, attitude is what drives the alphabet soup? I mean, because to me, on some level, it looks a little bit like a you know, security audit trail. Well, First, it's devices. Oops, nope, we've got to secure apps. Oops, nope, it's information. I mean, do you, think that that, do you think that a lot of the alphabet soup comes from that can't-do
1: Source. That's a great question. I mean, it, in one respect, yes, but by the same token, it can't—you can't have chaos. I mean, one of my big beefs in in the marketplace these days is where everybody wants to bring in their own their own devices, their own applications, their own whatever, and how does that scale within an organization? You need to have certain levels of command and control, but by the same token, the radical change moving forward is that there needs to be a certain amount of flexibility in that control, and that flexibility is all about providing users, uh, meaning employees, the, the tools that are going to be best for them uh, and not just uh, you know the standard corporate laptop, the corporate device Uh, the corporate whatever, Uh, it's no longer a black and white issue. And the challenge and the reason why we have alphabet soup is because there are so many shades of gray.
3: But looking at, you know, let's getting back to Ben's question and your answer there, Philippe, you know, one of the things is we spend a lot of time focusing on endpoints. And, And when I say endpoints, I mean devices. And it's okay, I have an Android, I have an iOS, okay, there's security concerns, there's Windows Phone, there's BlackBerry, and there's everything out there. But when we start looking at it, you know, you really have to look at what you're trying to get done. And, you know, I've been writing a lot recently about the fact that it comes down to your data. You know, you hear people talking about big data, and that's all relative. But in the end, your company's trying to do something, whether it's selling widgets. Um, I work for a pharmaceutical that makes drugs whether it's, you know, doing analysis, selling stocks, whatever it happens to be. But in the end, there's this bunch of information in the middle. And one of the things that, I, that IT has held on for a long time is we need to protect that information. And they protect it so much that their employees can't get their job done. and can't get what they need to get done. And one of the things I've talked about recently is you need to free the data at least within your company up, and you have to make it accessible by APIs. You have to use identity to figure out who's accessing who's going to be able to access it. And then you build an app for the user that hits that that uses that API, lets you know, lets people know what the identity is to make sure that they have rights to that API and that data. And then you can put that on any device. Now I agree with you, yes, you need some command and control around it. But if you start at the devices and work backwards, you're already stuck in that legacy thinking of, I have to
1: control the endpoint. In reality, you have to control the information. So again, I'm not going to disagree with you on that, but I I think also I'll I'll play devil's advocate here and say that's highly aspirational because of the fact that by having uh, a plethora of platforms, a plethora of form factors they're not all created in the same fashion, and yes it's wonderful to be able to have access to those apis but the you know as well as I do that there's this harsh reality that they're not all of these operating systems and form factors aren't going to operate the same way, and that's why that legacy mindset of fear is there, not to mention uh, the fact that you know look at you for example in your in your industry, you're in a very highly regulated a sector. Uh, there are legal ramifications that have to be, um, you know, kept in uh, kept in mind when when accessing that data, when making it um, ex- usable and accessible to the employees. I mean, there, there's, I don't know, it, if it weren't complicated, we wouldn't be here right now talking about this. I, I, this is Chris. I, I really I, think that the
5: core the core of that mobile risk management is the dynamic contextual awareness of who you are, where you're at, what kind of device are you on, what OS version is it, what patch level is it. Combining those things together, I think, is what needs to drive that more risk management to say they can access this data or not access this data. It it, it can't be just, you know, just it's this identity. It's got to be the contextual awareness of uh, who they are, where they're at, what they're doing, and on what kind of system are they trying to access, and what data are they? And those things combined together dictates the the policies and uh, and what the the IT security group is
1: trying to dictate. Absolutely, Chris. So uh, this is where I've been on my soapbox for a while now, saying that enterprise mobility management, not MDM, right? Because MDM is one of those often misused terms. Mm-hmm. But the suite of technologies that are that comprise EMM, enterprise mobility management. Are the technology means to addressing the business problem, which is MRM, the mobile risk management? Totally agree with you.
2: This is Galen. I, 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 I would just agree this is a mobile problem because the same exact thing happens with home PCs and home Macs and, and whatever, right? It's, it's What we've come to, and I think where IT is struggling is that we are no longer working in containers. It used to be that you went to an office with a physical perimeter, and you had a, a desktop computer that was big and bulky plugged into an ethernet jack in the wall that was protected by a firewall that, that also had a very uh, delineated uh, boundary around it. Uh, and the information was inside the walls, never left the walls. Over the last 15, 20 years, information has gotten much more malleable, uh, as it's gotten digital, and it's gotten more porous that you can now bring it to other places. Laptops were the first thing in that. Uh, you know, you can take smartphones and tablets out of the equation, and none of this changes. You still think you'd have people sending through Gmail, Hotmail for two decades stuff they want to work on at home, completely unprotected, completely outside of IT's control. Uh, they would print it out and bring it home. They put it on a CD or a USB drive. People have been doing this for a long time. And it strikes me that the risk people are citing now about mobile is not a new risk, it's not a different risk, but because maybe they're more, it's more visible that they think that something has to be done differently about it. And that's where I have an issue, A, treating it as mobile, and B, treating it as an increased risk. The risk has been there. Uh, now, I think what we do need ultimately is, is information management at the, at, the, at the atomic level, at the information level. That's extremely difficult. We've had technology like uh, DLP, data loss prevention, which is too complicated to work, and therefore it doesn't do what it's promised to do. And what we're talking about for information management is another order of magnitude more complicated. So you know we may get there at some point, but you know it's very very difficult. It's not universal. And in the meantime, we have this 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 reality on the user side and this aspiration on the IT side. That I don't think can come
0: together.
3: I, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, there, Gallen. Um I fully agree that it, it actually comes down to the information. I don't think it is as hard as you say it is to do what we're talking about. Um, I'm seeing signs that we're going to start seeing a lot more of this in the next two, two and a half years. I think it's you know, my big thing's always been mobile information management, but yeah, but how? How? But. So when we start talking about how, there have been two things when we talk about that. You know, one of the things when I talk to other companies and I talk to other people is, well, we can't encrypt all our data. It takes, too, it takes It's too processor intensive. We can't manage it and everything else. And I've had the same conversation as you. People are sending stuff to Dropbox. It's not just mobile. They're doing it on their laptop. They're emailing stuff home. But right now we have people who are spinning up server farms and have all this extra processing power well, quite honestly, all you have to do is spin up a couple of virtual machines, and you can start encrypting your data. If like you start encrypting your data, and you're giving out certificates for people to have keys to their data. You revoke a certificate when a person leaves. You can keep. Doesn't matter whether they put it in Dropbox or something else. But the other piece that you can use here, which is quite honestly a tiny bit harder, is you can also in the metadata put a tag. You know, people. You know, I talked to somebody recently who said. Well, you're talking about enterprise DRM. I said, in a way I am, but not traditional DRM where you know, Microsoft or other people or Documentum have done this stuff to your data. All we're doing is putting a tag that allows you, when you're on a machine that or an endpoint that can't be controlled as well, that tag can be read if you can decrypt and your app knows what to do with that data. Now, is it a utopia? no, but it 's not you 're absolutely right it 's not ready today but it 's not as far off as i think you
4: as I think you 're saying yeah, but to galen 's point, this is benjamin i mean are you going to expect your average user to i mean unless it 's like stupid simple people aren 't going to i mean people don 't want to put in tags people like the idea of a certificate and revoking a certificate you, you ask the average user to do that and you, yeah i mean you Brian can do it no problem i could Yeah, I can do it everybody on the phone can do it but your average
3: well, user, that's going to be. But Ben, we're not talking about the average user. We're talking about companies and enterprises here. And even but, so, SM. And, and if you look at. They the have business, average users, though. Sure. But it shouldn't be up to the average user to do it. It should be invisible to the average user. So it should be. So for a small, medium to bit business, it may be something that you use a cloud based technology to do this. You may not keep your data on site anymore. Many of the small-medium businesses, as they have grown up, don't need to do that. But when you get to the larger corporations and
4: enterprises,
3: why should the user have to do anything with it?
4: Because you know, they're, they're going to know up. whether it's confidential or not. I mean, they're going to know the sensitivity of the data, not the IT department. It doesn't matter what the sensitivity of the data is. If you've encrypted everything and you give
3: okay, everybody a certificate, when they come in right now when i bring my computer and my work laptop as soon as i joined the active, as soon as my identity was confirmed i logged into the domain a certificate went down to my machine which gave me access i have a certificate on my um, mobile phone right now which gives me access to certain things i'm not saying that the user should be encrypting their data because if that's Yeah, no i got you. I, okay. I I thought you were saying, saying the guys. user
1: has to be. Yeah, and guys you're you're proving my point here that it's all about having, still maintaining a certain level of command and control, all the while providing a certain level of flexibility to the individual. You know, we're always going to have to have some sort of management um, framework in place. And, and the funny part, to your point, Gail, earlier about how you know we've we've had we've been dealing with these issues before. I um, totally agree with you. I, I always say, you know, we've, I've, I've seen this movie, right? We've all seen this movie. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day where we stop, you know, we take out one letter from all this um, alphabet soup acronyms that we have because of the fact that mobile becomes so pervasive that it's just enterprise IT all
2: over again.
0: So, guys, how uh, does... Uh... I can't believe I... I would certainly agree
2: that, that we've got to have management. Don't, don't mean to imply there should be, there should be a free-for-all. All all we're trying to say is I think there's a tendency in many IT organizations to uh, get on the control bandwagon and turn on the, the afterburners, right? It's, it's this notion of flexibility. But I thought Brian's uh, scenario was, 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 was correct, that basically you protect the information at a gross level, but you have to trust people who you gave access to it in the first place to do the right thing. If you don't trust them, they probably shouldn't have access. Um, and so that actually makes it a very uh, coarse-grained approach, which I think is more realistic. And, and, and you have management, but you're not trying to micromanage. I like that a lot. Oh, sure.
1: But like for example, let's say you know how many I mean how many stories are there out there about the number of devices that are left in New York City cabs every year? Right. It's not done intentionally, obviously, but it it is a reality. That's why you need to have mobility management solutions in place, if only to protect the devices, to protect the data, right? to protect the employee and the employer, all part of risk management.
2: Sure, and and something like that is such a simple thing to do. I mean, any exchange server does this natively. You don't need any special technology. Uh, to enforce the use of a PIN, or, or to or to have a remote lock capability, this is this is just part of exchange. I mean, this is not rocket science, and and I agree with you that this should be done. What surprises me is how many companies don't do the very basic uh, blocking and tackling, tackling that that they could do, that's so simple, because uh, it's trivial to to turn on that policy in exchange for everybody, and it doesn't matter what device they have if the device matches the policy. It gets access if it doesn't, it doesn't. And it's such a simple thing to do. Um, yet people seem to leap from, you know, they seem to bypass what's easy and simple and already paid for to very complicated, over-engineered solutions. Um, but I agree with you. Yes, all those lost uh, phones should be protected through a simple exchange policy.
1: The so let's problem talk a though, bit with about that exchange e-fio. policy, though, well, the, well, let's, actually, sorry, I'll, it's a perfect segue, right? The problem with that exchange policy is that it does a full wipe, and, um, you know, to, your, to the whole notion of BYOD, there are a lot of uh, both legal and, dare I say, moral issues around doing a total wipe of a device that you may not own.
2: Yeah. I don't think so, right. uh, Philippe. I, I mean, I've heard that argument before, but, but first of all, you don't have to do a total wipe. Uh, it depends on the operating system, but you don't have to do a total wipe. You can simply lock the device. That is the policy as well. We tend to go to wipe, and wipe should not be your first, your first instinct. Locking the device is your first, your first line of defense. But let's say you do wipe the device. If it's an iOS device, all the user's personal stuff is backed up to either iCloud or their PC or Mac and iTunes. So you wipe their device they go, They they find their they find their iPad a week later. They plug it into their their uh, their uh, PC or, or they uh, reconnect to iCloud with their password, and all their personal stuff comes back. Except we may not back up in a short window, so you don't really lose there. On the Android side, it's not as clean because there's not the same kind of desktop synchronization. But even Google has backup for for some of what you do. So I don't think it's as black and white as you lose everything. No, you, you lose some stuff but you, you actually don't lose as much. Now, if you want to send money and not just use exchange, and you want to get a solution from mobile iron or good or sidebase or one of those, they can do selective wipe, and then you can do the kind of, of uh, more nuanced you're talking about. But it's not – the remote wipe scenario, I think, is overblown. So do you think – hey, Galen,
4: this is Benjamin. Do you think MDM is
2: uh, overkill then? I think MDM is overkill for most employees there are certainly employees and, and businesses that need more than uh, PIN requirements, lock requirements, wipe requirements, and certificate-based access, which you can do with Exchange. Uh, and that I think, you know, so if you need more than those, then there's some really great MDM tools. And I think where the MDM tools are evolving from the vendors that actually know what they're doing is into application and ultimately information management, which I think, as we would all agree, is where the real action should be that once you've got a client on an endpoint device, whatever it is, a Mac, or an iPhone, an Android, then you can uh, maybe inspect the information that's in an application. It's no accident that most of the vendors in this space are, are supplying APIs, programming interfaces for application makers to put in that give those tools a hook into the information inside the application, which is a step I think we all want to see happen. Right, but wouldn't it be a lot easier also if the
1: platforms themselves are doing that as opposed to having... Oh, I agree. I think...
2: think, Yeah, I agree. I think Microsoft and Apple particularly are the ones who could change the rules in a good way by essentially having the equivalent of Exchange ActiveSync for information embedded into their OSs. I mean, imagine if Windows Phone and iOS did that. I mean, you know, Google should, but they never do anything, you know, until the other guys do it first. But, you know, if two or three of those vendors did that, man... We wouldn't be having this discussion.
3: No, you, you know, I'm going to disagree with you slightly, down Just going back a quick step, I think exchange, while it gives you some of that stuff, is way too blunt of an instrument.
1: Um, if you look and at if it. Illegal and using that is illegal on BYOD in certain countries.
3: Well, if we want to talk about BYOD, sure. If we want to talk about BYOD, BYOD is a legal minefield and a privacy minefield. It can be navigated. It's not necessarily easy, but it certainly can be done. And
2: um,
1: I'm the first one to say I
2: don't want the worst companies, the worst countries' policies to dictate what happens to the rest of us.
1: That's that's the reality,
2: though, Caleb.
3: Well, well, it doesn't have to be the reality. Hopefully, because you certainly can have a different policy in different countries and it's got to depend on where you are and where you're based out of. That's work. It's just like, you know, in the United States where we all live, you have different tax rates in different states. And that's, you know, you learn how to get around that and how to navigate that and how to do business. But, you know, I've been saying for seven or eight months now that MDM is dead. You know, we're going through a period of, as Galen noted, that we're starting to see a lot of mobile application management moving towards mobile information management. But let's go back to the scenario that you gave, Philippe, of somebody leaves a device in a taxi cab. Right. What if that device has a token on it and all the data is encrypted? Somebody gets the device and, okay, maybe, you want, maybe the person wants it white because their personal information's on it. But from a corporate perspective because you're using two-factor, nobody can get into that information and you can revoke the certificate. When you revoke the certificate, that data becomes meaningless. And yet, the personal data is sitting there just fine. And that's part of where you get when you start, you know, really stop, stop worrying about the endpoint and you start worrying about
1: the information. Right, so don't disagree with you. The reality is, at least today, how often do we see two-factor authentication in a mobile device? It's growing. Day
2: by it's growing. It's, day growing. Day, it's, growing. Yeah. it's, it's true it's that we sold. don't see that, but I would argue that that's, instead of encouraging solutions that, that are, are not the right solution because people are not doing the right thing, we encourage the right thing.
0: So, Philippe, no, you, in, you, right introduced a, you introduced a new acronym uh, recently, uh, COPE, uh, C-O-P-E. Right. Um, why did you feel the need to introduce that?
1: Well, because I, you know, so C-O-P-E, um, Stands for corporate-owned, personally enabled, and think of it as corporate liable devices 2.0, where it's taking the best of the corporate liable world and the individually liable world. Right? BYOD was all about saying, I don't want to use the the mobile device that my company has uh, deemed, you know, the corporate standard, uh, because I want to use my iPhone, I want to use my Android, whatever. Um, so with Cope, what happens is that you can actually uh, choose whatever device you want. The company provides it to you, and they provide you uh, the service plan, so it's costing you as an individual nothing, that, and you can actually still take your photos, download your Facebook, uh, do your Twitter, Angry Birds, whatever. Right? So you get to use it just like you were using your own device, but from a legal perspective – Um, the company retains the rights to manage the data and the information as they need to and also um, are getting the economies of scale of not having to reimburse the employee um, on their device or their monthly rate plan at retail prices because as you know a big organization via the economies of scale can negotiate with a carrier to get significant discounts on both devices and rate plans. So it's it's cheaper. It's more cost-effective for the organization. They can sleep at night because of the fact that many of the legal hurdles have been circumvented because it's still corporate devices, and the employee still benefits because a they still get to pick basically whatever device and platform they want, and all the more, uh, all the better for them that they don't have to pay for it. Uh, who, who loses out on that? Wait, funny, the the only I, thing. Well, go, go ahead,
2: i think you know you're right that that's that's where companies should go because the reason that people brought their own is the company wasn't supplying what people really needed or wanted and if a company opens it up you know to let the employee choose within legitimate constraints you circumvent a lot of the issues but i have to tell you i hear a lot of organizations secretly loving the fact that employees are willing to pay for their own and byod at least for the corporate side, the executive side, not the IT side, has become a cost-savings initiative. And it'll be interesting to see if they're willing to pay the money for COPE and now that they've been introduced to the notion of of the employee will pay for it, uh, 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 unfortunately, Gail, yeah, BYOD is
1: proving it. itself not to be cost effective. I mean, look at the example with uh, IBM. You know, one of the, when they first went down the BYOD route, they were looking. One of the one of the rationales was for cost savings, and I'm sure you saw the, their recent announcements or I mean, it, it's a wonderful a uh, real-time case study, right, what's going on at IBM right now, and they're out in the open saying, this is not saving us any money whatsoever. But there could yeah, be, a bad, well, Benjamin, there could be a valid use case for it if you have
4: people who you're never going to provision anyway, and you allow them the opportunity to use their personal device, then it's, it's a, a non issue. A hundred percent, Benjamin. I, you're, if you have
3: people that you were never going to buy devices for and never reimburse, it makes a lot of sense. But... When you take people that you're already reimbursing or you're already paying the device cost for and the plan cost, it actually becomes very expensive. I mean, I know you took a look at the swag I did a couple, um, I think a month ago, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I got a lot of comments on that because people were surprised at the numbers. And I was being pretty conservative. And the big thing that, you know, the only thing, and I think, Galen changed what you said a little bit, Philippe, Mm
0: -hmm. when
3: you do COPE, it's more—it's a choose-your-own-device, but it's really a managed choose-your-own-device. The few people who are doing true BYOD, and when I say true BYOD, and I, I usually qualify it with this. BYOD is not access to email. BYOD is actually having access to the application ecosystem that your enterprise uses, but the people who are doing that are truly doing managed BYOD because they have to deal with the fact that not every device is built the same, and so they give a subset,
1: and people are still happy because there are plenty of devices out there that can fall into that managed domain. Oh, sure, but I guess, I mean, you know, you've heard me on, on my soapbox for this for, you know, who knows how long. Again, one of the primary drivers, and Galen alluded to it, uh, for going down the BYOD path from a corporate perspective is because of the quote-unquote potential cost savings, and it's it's – just categorically not there unless you're not providing any sort of stipend, right? You're not – I mean, so often I see organizations – I was at a a conference last month and the company said, we reimburse uh, the employee everything but $10. I don't know where they came up with that number, but anything but $10 for the device and we then reimburse them for their service plan. How is that going to provide cost savings?
2: It no, it's not, and everybody and you get, and you get the headaches. All yeah. of us know that the that the cost savings pitch for BYOD is a silly one, uh, because you're right. you if, if you're paying for it, you're paying for it. it. Doesn't matter who actually went and purchased the device or what carrier they signed up for. Yeah, um, but but, but what I all kind of point out is a lot of company executives don't understand that, and they are you know everyone loves free, right? So they see free. And I hear them talking at conferences about hmm, maybe we won't pay for it in a couple of years. And the analogy they always use is home broadband. It used to be they would pay for home phone lines and home broadband in the early days, right? And then when it became common, everybody had it, they stopped paying for it. And I think their secret you know, plan is to uh, basically uh, move to a, a reimbursed BYOD to get people to 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 get in the notion of, oh, it's my phone, and then you know a year or so from now saying, well, you know, everyone has a smartphone these days. This is just standard equipment everybody has in their personal lives. We're not reimbursing it anymore. So let's here, take it, it, it one it step has... further.
1: Let, let's take it one step further. Do you have a computer at home, Galen? Of course. Right? I, I mean, I've got three computers at home. So why should my employer provide me a computer?
2: I hear that. Why should my computer that. provide me a,
1: a desk line?
2: I hear that sentiment a lot, too. And I've actually heard several CEOs of fairly large companies saying, you know, we may not need to buy computers anymore after this, after this current refresh round. You know, the Windows 7 and the current generation of PCs are the last that buy. I think this is naive, don't get me wrong, but I hear mm-hmm. it a lot.
1: Oh, that, I but that's lot. my point. It, I, I, I think, you know, it's the whole notion of uh, it goes back to, you know, saying, oh, people, you know, you know what's up with people, uh, you know, making personal calls on the corporate phone, right, at their desk. I mean, come on. That, that's, that, that's the naivete that's going on. But let me ask you this, Galen. Um You brought up a little bit about Windows uh, and Windows Phone. What about Windows 8? As you know, the, there was a technology preview that just came out yesterday, um, and Windows 8 is going to hopefully, you know, as far as Microsoft is concerned, uh, looking to be uh, the the one-size-fits-all operating system, right? So it's going to be on laptops, it's going to be on PCs, it's going to be on servers, and it's obviously going to be on tablets, too. So what defines a mobile device moving forward?
2: Well, there's two questions there. I'll tell you, at least on the enterprise space, which is where I typically focus, Windows 8 is going nowhere fast. Uh, no, one, no one in IT wants Windows 8. Um, it's 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 messy. It's a lot of retraining. It's fairly unnatural to use. I've been using the consumer preview since it came out. Uh, I don't know six months ago. I don't know how long not know it was. Uh, uh, it's, it's and Windows magical. 7 is a good system. Windows 7 is very good. You know, it's funny. Yeah. You know, that's that's that's, uh, that's their Mac OS 10, right? You know. That's yeah. No. Totally. As well, and uh, Windows 7 is only now being deployed. At, at most companies, it's it's uh, so people now only starting to get Windows 7. Windows 8 is Windows 7 plus this funny Metro thing stuck on top, and it works in a in a in a in a tablet that is only Metro, but Metro is is primitive compared to the iPad. I just don't see it, but. Uh, for consumers, what's going to happen, of course, this is what happened with Vista. When, it, when, it, when you go buy a, a PC or a, or a laptop or a, a, a what do they call it, a convertible or, or a tablet at Best Buy or, or wherever, it's going to come with Windows 8. It just will, right? And so what you'll have is the experience of what you have at home doesn't match what you have at the office. Uh, and I think that will be uh, interesting. I don't think it's going to help Microsoft, any, but, but it will be back to the well, duality uh, problem.
1: Yeah, I, I, me personally, I think the duality uh, will lend itself quite nicely. I mean, there are certain, you know, I have, you know, like I'm sure everybody here on this call has uh, has an iPad, and the iPad is phenomenal. But I, sometimes you need to be able to do more than what you can do just with the tablet. Um, and let's not there. let's not forget, let's Aren't not forget, up. let's not forget that you know a lot of people will call Vista an abject failure. Okay. And how many hundreds of millions of copies of that were sold?
2: Only because you had no choice. I uh, cannot use those numbers because you you, as a consumer, you could not go into Dell or HP or Best Buy or Amazon or any other seller and say, I want a PC with XP. No, you, you can only get what Microsoft sold you. So of course they sold several hundred million because people bought PCs. But right, so saying, you look at the enterprise IP. market. The enterprise market had the choice. Because in the enterprise, you could you could load XP instead of Vista through this convoluted program Microsoft had, and something like ninety five percent of companies did that. So when there was a choice, they didn't go to Vista. So oh,
0: this yeah, is sure. a great, this is a great conversation. I think this is an awesome conversation, and, 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 and probably for another podcast. Let's kind of get back to the, <laughs> let's get back to the to the what started this all. Really, I've heard the term uh, mobile spring uh, used uh, recently. Philippe, I think that might have been in one of your in your uh, your blogs. Um, and you also talk about evolutionary versus revolutionary. We really kind of need to wrap this up. But if 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 there's a mobile spring happening with regards to devices and um, and the enterprise, clearly there is with BYOD and now COPE and and all of the issues that we're talking about that IT managers face. Um, where are we going to be in a year? And let's kind of let's kind of use that to uh, to 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 wrap things up and um, and uh, and say good night. Go ahead. So where are we going to be in a year?
1: Um, honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> the, the, this this space changes so quickly. Uh, you know, who to thunk? Um, look at what happened just last year. Uh, Nokia abandoned Symbian and Migo. Nokia then announced a strategic partnership with Microsoft. Google buys Motorola. Uh, you know, there were these tectonic shifts that occurred over the course of nine months uh, that are going to have huge ramifications moving forward. Uh, Other than saying there's going to be more mobile, I know it sounds very buy low, sell high for me to say this, but other than the fact that there's going to be more and more stuff that's going to be mobile, uh, that you're going to have this really uh, kooky thing called Windows 8 that's really going to confuse the world around what is a mobile device and what isn't. it's just going to be more the same, I think. Now we're going to still be talking about BYOD. We're going to still be talking about consumerization. We're going to still be talking about enterprise mobility management. But you're going to hear more and more about mobile information management and mobile risk management.
0: Galen, you talk about the wild west environment, um, and you 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 also talk about uh, you know the need for IT managers to have a policy oriented approach. How 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 advanced are most IT managers today relative to a policy-oriented approach, and and do you see them? Do you see more and more every day really adopting a, a solid approach to the challenges?
2: Um, well, first off, I agree with Philippe just said in terms of where we're going to be. I think we will move to a constellation of devices, and that leads me to your question, which is, no, I think most IT folks are 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 very uh, tunnel visioned about this, and they, and they may have policies. But they're very narrow policies. They don't see it as as a federation of devices that that employees have PCs, tablets, smartphones, home PCs, whatever else. Uh, uh, who knows? Uh, Apple, stapled, uh, you know Internet TV, whatever it might be. That 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 in the next year we'll see more than the, of the breakdown of, of the traditional device uh, uh, paradigm, and that people are moving from one to the other. I think that'll force a more policy-oriented approach. Because you can't, you can't manage you know, 10 different kinds of form factors as, as independent units. But you'll have to, you'll, IT will have to think about it as, what am I trying to protect information, application access, uh, identity, and so forth, and we'll start to get more uh, uh, broadly-based policies that make sense in this sort of constellation world. But it's going to just start next year. I think we've got several more years left to go.
0: Brian, where are we?
2: Where are we, or where are
3: we going? Uh, where are we yeah, going? Uh, where are we? I think we're going to see a lot of change in um, the landscape. I think you're going to see Android beef up its security. I think you're going to see some new things from Microsoft as far as their next version of Windows Phone. Whether it is enough to allow them to actually make a large dent, no idea. But I really think, you know, going where Philippe and Galen said that we're going to see a lot more towards mobile information management. I think you're going to see, you know, in the next year, you're going to see everybody talking about wrapping apps and mobile app management. But in reality, what they're going to be moving towards is mobile information management and being able to access your data from anywhere. And from anywhere, we're talking about not location, but more from any device, but it'll be interesting how many of those devices grow up and really become any device and what um, enterprises are willing to allow to do that.
0: Excellent. Benjamin, what are the top three priorities that uh, you think IT managers should have relative to, to mobile and heading into the next year?
4: Sorry, the top three What?
0: Top three priorities if I'm an IT manager for, with regards to, you know, the, the mobile spring, if you will. What are my top priorities as an IT manager?
4: Um, you know, I would uh, – uh, capabilities would be one thing. So, um, you know, a lot of the conversation that Brian and I have been having over the last uh, week has, you know, definitely been around how do I both w- – new capabilities uh, and extend capabilities. I think um, security – You know, definitely, uh, you know, as everyone's been saying, you know, uh, how do I make sure that that, how do I enable those capabilities in a secure manner? Um, And I I actually think the cost thing, I think, uh, you know, as we talked uh, earlier, you know, I hope, I think that people will start to see some of these studies about what's the most um, cost-effective way to go about it, um, both from traditional ways of IT thinking, leveraging cloud services, uh, you know the real cost of BYOD um, and, uh, um, you know, really figure out a a good strategy on how to make it cost effective.
0: Excellent. And Chris, are, uh, are uh, IT managers uh, rolling out, going to be managing their own app stores um, uh, at at greater numbers over the next year? What are you seeing?
5: Well, we're seeing that starting to happen uh, now. We we get more and more people looking to have their own, it, 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 even if it's just a simple curated app store to, you know, define what it is that their employees should be using in the uh, public app stores, like all the way down into you know, distributing the, their own private applications. So it's it's a it's a growing trend, um, and we're happy to see that because we're obviously invested in that. Um, but um, it, it's definitely a growing trend, and, and, and I wanted to add sort of my two cents on, you know, wh- you know, where do we where are we going to be in year? And, and it, we we, I heard it touched on through the conversation. But I really think that the the definition of a mobile app is going to change. Now, I'm going to be somewhat hand-weighted here in that I'm not sure I know what it's going to change, too. But I I see two very competing um, uh, sources, pain pain points right now. One is uh, we want to be able to do more work regardless of the device that we're on. Um, And the other competing side is that the enterprise wants to spend less money to Either buy that application or build that application. Um, and, and those are two competing points. And so something's got to change. You can't do that by writing it natively. You can't achieve it through HTML5. And so I, I think that there's something else that's on the horizon that either we don't know about or it is a, a variant of what we do know about today that's going to allow us to start to achieve that. And, it, and it's, it's not just a write once, run anywhere kind of mentality. It's, it's, it, it, it's a deep, uh, current native experience uh, type of capability that, that can run on many different platforms. And, and so I think that's, you know, along with the ideas around, you know, protecting your information and risk management come together. But I think that's, that's what sort of starts to change in the mobile app world.
0: Excellent. Philippe Winthrop, Galen Grumman, Brian Katz, Benjamin Robbins, Chris Schroeder, I'm Pete Erickson. Uh, thanks everyone for joining the MoDev podcast. Uh, this will go up uh, at our Affiliate sites at gomodev.com. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank Thank you very much.
2: Thanks. Enjoyed it.